we are reading from Matthew, starting from uh, chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he ate and ate and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Well, I'm sure you know the feeling. It may begin with a yawn. The eyelids start to feel heavy. might start rubbing your eyes. You might even find yourself having one of those little micro-sleeps where you kind of startle yourself awake. You're tired. You're fatigued. And all you want to do is rest. This is Randy Gardner. Randy officially holds the record for the longest period of time a human being has ever gone without rest. In 1965, Randy participated in a sleep experiment, or rather a sleep deprivation experiment. He was only 17 years old, but he managed to stay awake for 264 hours straight. I'll do the maths for you. That's more than 11 days. Uh, The previous record was a few hours short of that at 260, and that was the intention of the experiment. Now, after a few days without sleep, Randy started to experience things, hallucinations, a blurred vision, paranoia, slurred speech, memory lapses, By all accounts, he was pretty much a zombie for the last few days of the experiment. The impact that fatigue can have on the human body is well established, uh, but some strange things do happen to us when we're denied the rest that we need. We do have difficulty focusing. Our reaction times are slowed. We become more forgetful. We can't think rationally. We have increasingly risky behaviours. That's one of the reasons why... uh, the 
car safety ads have lately been focusing on this idea of fatigue. I don't know if you've seen those ones where uh, the tagline says, don't trust your tired self, and they've got footage of cars sort of veering off the road or about to veer into another car, and the, the footage cuts just before that moment of impact. They're quite confronting, and I think helpfully so. There's mounting evidence that fatigue is just, if not more dangerous to a driver than alcohol consumption. But fatigue doesn't just affect us physically. Uh, it affects our emotions and our mood as well. Uh, you know yourself how much more irritable and moody you are, or maybe it's someone else you know who gets that way when they are tired. There are well-established correlations, too, between uh, more significant mental illnesses like depression and anxiety and a lack of rest. The fact is we need rest, and when we can't get it, the effects are debilitating. Which is why I think one of the best and ref most refreshing things that Jesus ever said is this. He said, I will give you rest. And we find those words in Matthew 11. We had them read to us. Just before, I want to read to you uh, again there uh, those verses from the end of chapter 11, starting at verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I don't think Jesus here is talking about helping us get a good night's sleep, as Lockie was talking about before. He's talking about relief from a different kind of weariness, a different kind of fatigue. But it's one that we crave rest from all the same. The context of where Jesus says these words, in fact, helps us to understand what Jesus is getting at. The statement occurs amidst a whole bunch of criticism uh, that Jesus levels at the leadership of the people of Israel. Well, I guess they're criticising Jesus in turn, but it's this running that occurs between Jesus and people like the Pharisees. Jesus has seen how God's people have been struggling under the heavy burden that had been placed upon them by people like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. These men have sucked all the joy out of following God and they've loaded up the people with rule upon rule upon tradition. And so Jesus says these words by way of contrasting what it means to live for him and be a part of his kingdom and what it looks like to live under the regime of these religious leaders. And Jesus couches it in these terms. He says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Jesus says that there is a new kind of life available, a life with a different kind of master, a different way of living. And to help us understand that difference, Matthew goes on to include two stories at the beginning of chapter 12 that revolve around this issue of working on the Sabbath. In fact, it's not Jesus, but his disciples who were first accused of this, of breaking the Sabbath law by working, when they're observed picking some heads of grain as they wander through a field. Uh, read with me there from verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, At that time... Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. 
Now, God's law permitted a hungry person to pick grain in the way that the disciples are here. They're not stealing, and that isn't actually the accusation the Pharisees are making. What they're being accused of is harvesting, doing that work. And it is true that God had made the Sabbath the day of rest. There were laws uh, that said you couldn't do this kind of thing. Well, you couldn't harvest your crops on a Saturday, on the Sabbath day. And so when the Pharisees have a go at the disciples for eating grain on the Sabbath, they might have expected Jesus to back them up and rebuke his disciples. But instead, Jesus doesn't do that. Uh, And he goes on to remind them about a couple of things. He he talks to them about a time when King David uh, broke the law by eating bread that was set aside for the priests. We won't go into that story so much, but um, Jesus also reminds them of the fact that the priests themselves regularly break the Sabbath every week when they do their work on the Sabbath day, whenever they go to the temple to do what God's required them to do. Uh, I think the point Jesus is making is that uh, the Pharisees are prepared to acknowledge that some exceptions to the Sabbath are okay whenever it suits them, but that they're quick to condemn anyone who doesn't abide by their own rules and their own traditions that they've developed around the Sabbath. And so Jesus tells them they've got this wrong. That in fact, what they've done in condemning his disciples is condemning innocent people. And they've done so not because of what God's law says, but because of their own religious traditions. The second episode that follows this one is even more alarming, I think. Uh, Read with me again there from verse 9 of chapter 12. It says, Going on from that place, he, that is Jesus, went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to them, verse 13, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So Jesus goes into this synagogue and there's a man there with a a crippled hand. And we're told the Pharisees, they might have even set this up, but we're told the Pharisees are watching and waiting to see if Jesus would heal him. Not because they cared in any way about this man's suffering, not even to see a miraculous thing from God, but so they could mount evidence against Jesus to charge him with. And Jesus takes this opportunity to point out to them just how distorted their religion has become. And he calls them out on this hypocrisy. He knows they're going to pull a sheep out of a pit if it belonged to them on the Sabbath day, but they want to prevent this man from being healed on this day. Jesus points out that their own rules betray more love for a beast than for a person. See, the Pharisees had established this tradition that healing could take place on the Sabbath, but only if it was life-threatening. Otherwise, it should wait till the next day. But who made up that rule? It wasn't God. And so when Jesus sees this man, he has compassion, he has the power to do it, and so he heals him. Jesus goes on and declares that 
it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And what a good thing it was. This man who's been suffering for who knows how long is given more than a functioning body part. Jesus restores this man to his community, brings him release from the stigma of his disability, gives him probably the capacity to work again. But none of this matters to the Pharisees. They are unmoved. Well, they're not softened anyway. We see their reaction in verse 14. They start scheming about how they might kill Jesus. Little wonder Jesus has such harsh criticism for these men. Jesus has exposed how they become slaves to their own religion, their own traditions. And in fact, how they impose that burden upon the rest of their community. It's a picture of how ugly religion can become when the single-minded adherence to religious tradition overrides any sense of love or compassion for the human being. And so it's in that context that we find Jesus preempting all of this by saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus appeals to the people to come to him. He says, take my yoke upon you. Compared to that lot, it's an easy thing. The burden I'll place upon you is a light one. And Jesus here is talking about what life is like under his rule. There's a gentleness to the way Jesus says he will lead us that he leads with compassion, with understanding, that he will value you and love you and that we can trust that he will only ever do what is best for us. There is a humility to his leadership. Jesus is the one who leads by example, who serves us in the most deeply sacrificial way before he ever asks us to serve him. That is a leader worth following. That is a master worth serving. One that will never do us any harm. Never exploit us. Never take advantage of us. That is a yoke that is easy to bear. A burden that is light to carry. And so Jesus here wants to promise us rest from the crushing burden that religion can place upon us. And never relieve us from whether that's the burden of our guilt or striving to find validation in the approval of others or the weariness that comes from striving to earn God's approval. If you are weary or burdened, Jesus invites you to come to him and find rest for your soul. Perhaps you feel the weight from all your failings. You were burdened by guilt. Jesus invites you to come and lay that burden down at his feet. He says he's paid the price for your sins. And he offers you forgiveness, a fresh start, a new life. He can release you from that guilt, from that shame. As it says in the book of Ephesians, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, 
in accordance with the riches of God's grace. There are some of us who will struggle to see our need of God's forgiveness. But there are others of us who are overwhelmed by a sense of being unworthy. We failed so many times in ways that we are ashamed of. How could God want anything to do with me? If your guilt and your shame is wearing you down, Jesus invites you to come and lay that burden at his feet, to go to him, to find rest for your soul. There is forgiveness. There is freedom. But it can only be found in Jesus' name. One of the wonderful things about the gospel message and what Jesus teaches us is that he never seeks to diminish our sin, to tell us that somehow it doesn't matter, find ways for us to justify it to ourselves. It's not about that. But Jesus does want us to know that he loved us so much that he paid the penalty for it all to make us clean, to make us new, to make us his. So find rest for your weary soul. Hand that burden of guilt over to the only one who can truly deal with it. Maybe you're someone who is fatigued from seeking validation, burdened by trying to prove that you're someone who has worth, that matters. You may have sought or are still trying to find that recognition, perhaps from your parents, perhaps from your friends. Maybe it's your spouse and partner that you're looking for this from, your work colleagues, And maybe you've sought to find it through things like your work, uh, in your achievements, perhaps through the richness of your relationships. Maybe for you it's been about accumulating all those things that can display that you've made something of yourself, that you are successful, that you're worthy of respect. There's this need to prove to others that you are worthy that you are something. Well, Jesus invites you to come to him and lay that burden down. He invites you to find your meaning and contentment in knowing who you are in God's eyes. To understand that you are already loved and cherished by your creator. That you are precious to him, made in his image, wanted, Find release from that burden of looking for validation in the fickle approval of others. Seeking to find your worth in the accumulation of accolades. To look for your value in the valuation of other people. You can rest in the knowledge that you are precious to God. Perhaps you're tired from the burden of trying to do all that God requires of you. You're weary of never knowing if you've ever done enough. You might be on that well-worn path of the Pharisees where your hope and your confidence is resting in your own self-righteousness. That is, you're looking to your own moral character, perhaps your own religious discipline 
for some kind of assurance that you'll meet with God's approval. It's the measure you use both to judge yourself but more than likely also to judge those around you. And you might be making all kinds of sacrifices, perhaps in church every week, although not at the moment. I'm sure tuning in counts. Supporting charitable causes. You give your money and your time to these things. And you're self-disciplined in your personal life. You watch your language. You don't abuse alcohol. You've got an image in your mind of what obedience to God looks like, what piety looks like, and you're striving for that. Maybe you're even humble enough not to brag about this to others, to talk to them about your goodness. But it is the story you tell yourself, that you comfort yourself with, that you're really doing all you can, and certainly better than most at least. But it is tiring, isn't it? Aren't you weary? Don't you know that you can never have assurance? You can never know that you've done enough or enough of the right things. This is the burden of self-righteousness and ultimately there's no rest to be found there. Jesus comes and says, I will give you rest. Rest from the burden of thinking you need to do enough to earn God's approval, of being good enough to deserve his acceptance. The Apostle Paul describes his experience of being released from this in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, he says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Jesus says he provided his own righteousness for us to claim, to share in. And we find it through trusting in him and nothing more. Jesus offers us all an invitation. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Have you found that rest through Jesus? Rest from the burden of religious traditions. Rest from trying to be good enough to God. for God. Rest from trying to find our worth in the approval of others. But it is worth noting that Jesus says there is a yoke. We noticed that earlier. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And if you don't know what a yoke is, it kind of looks like that. Well, not the animals, the thing that's holding them together. Uh, It's this contraption that's placed over the shoulders of a pair of animals so that they'll work together. Now, I don't know about you, but as chill as those animals look, they don't look particularly restful, do they? They're there to work. That's the purpose of the yoke. See, Jesus' invitation is that we would be yoked together with him in this life, for this life. Jesus doesn't shy away from saying that he has a claim on our lives, that he gets to be Lord, that he calls upon us to serve him with our lives. 
but it is an easy yoke, a light yoke. It will not crush us. Because when we hitch ourselves to Jesus, we find that we are in fact living the life that God intended us to have, created us to have. The burden for living for him is light. Because it's only the burden of living for the Saviour who loves you, who understands you completely and always has your own best interests at heart. So let me share Jesus' invitation with you one last time. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light.